Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh my God, they're asking for boards and organizations. Are you part of anything? Except for like the fried chicken committee that you like it's eat? A, it's a street food association of New York City. They want a statement from us. What do you mean? We are interested in parents' thoughts about their child. Oh my God, which one are you doing? I'm doing real right now. Real is a thoughtful, intelligent, and socially inept, is that a word? Is inept a negative thing or a positive thing? I don't know, is it? <laughs> can, you, can you Google that? I thought you were an English major. Oh, sh**. Socially inept people don't know how to comfortably socialize. Can you delete that? Are you going to mess up our Welcome back once again to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine. This week we're talking about Real Housewives of New York. Let's get into it, gals. I saw on the ratings that more of you guys have hopped on the train, thank God. So let's talk about it, shall we? And I think moving forward, because of Sister Wives, that I will be keeping these two Friday episodes. We'll see. But more than likely, that'll be the schedule moving forward. But let's get into this week, right? We start off with a bang. Uba just flaunting her connections right for the all the eyes to see, walking, cruising, gliding, really, into Jacob & Co. to meet up with her dear friend, Jacob the Damn Jeweler. So Aaron meets up with her at the store because Uba is surprising her with uh, being able to borrow some jewelry for her vow renewal. Uba met Jacob through a charity event that they host. They met at that it was hosted by Prince Albert. I think they said, um, "I believe this is a Patreon plug. You can 
hit me up at patreon.com slash EBVM podcast. But I think I did a, a an episode about Prince Albert and his wife and how she like really doesn't fuck with him. And they only see each other through like planned engagements, like pre-planned dates and, and vacations that they go on. And then she's just like, well, I'm going to go do my thing. See ya. It's very strange, but check it out. Look into it on your own if you want to. Uba tells Aaron, like, I'm a good friend. for that. You were a good friend, actually, for going to Jessel's event. But Aaron is like, you know, I just really don't want to hold this grudge against her. But she insinuated that I didn't support women. But, you know, Jessel's the one who's calling people hags or whatever. So, like, what's tea on that? Do, do I think that Aaron likes Jessel and vice versa? Not really, <laughs> but I think Jessel's better at like being shady about this than Aaron is. It's at least funny to me in like a kind of horrifying way. Whereas Aaron's just coming off a little bit like you gotta hold things a little bit closer to your chest, if you will. Like you can't be like, oh, I don't want to hold a grudge against her, but like I'm still very bad, but much mad about this thing that she said, and I only went to her event because. I didn't want to be called a woman who doesn't support other women. It really pisses me off. But anyway, speaking of Jessel, she is meeting up with Bryn at this store called Kierna's Yvette, which she says is like quintessential on-trend New York. It's like her Disneyland, right? Bryn says in a confessional that she's been engaged three times, but none of them have ever worked out because she wasn't ready. And then when a producer is like, why didn't you just say no? And it's like, it, it's just easier to say yes because you look in your eyes and it's just like, you know, it's hard to say no. So Jessel asks her about her dating life. Like, I heard you went on a date the other day. What happened? Was it good? But Brynn tells her that she left in the middle of the event. <laughs> in the middle of the date. And Jessel's like, do you think he was maybe wondering where you were? And she goes, well, when I got home, I just texted him. Oops, I left. And Brynn is like, me, I felt the fuck out of this. She said in a confessional, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't date. I don't want to get to know anybody. I don't want to meet their parents. I don't want to figure out when we start pooping in front of each other. Like, I just want to be old and married. And, and I'm with you. When you're a woman that has to date men in New York, they are strong, some of our strongest soldiers in America. Like, we have been through it. Through the fire to the limit, to the wall. <laughs> and you get, I think at 35, you're just like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. And so you're just going to hop on this train or you're not, but you're not playing games with me, little boy. I'm not, it's not happening. So, because let me tell you something. The dating pool is like 60% dudes who already have girlfriends or wives and just want, like, another chick to kind of fuck sometimes. <laughs> and then the other ones are fucking weird. They're the weird ones. The other ones are weird. That's that's what it's like out here. Don't get divorced. Try to work it out. <laughs> it's hell out here. Okay? It's hell. Anyway. <laughs> um. So they're picking out dresses for the vow renewal, right? And Bryn, Sex in the City Heads, if you feel me, Picks out this this dress that was exactly like Charlotte. They got they had this wedding. Was it the wedding where Miranda 
Yeah, Miranda was getting her, like, new apartment decorated, and she had this guy that she had been flirting with from England. He was staying with her, but then they fall in love, the decorator and the English guy. So then they have this, like, shotgun wedding. Charlotte is one of the bridesmaids, and she's, like, takes a stand for herself. She's like, you know what? I have to be in ugly dress after ugly dress being the bridesmaid, and this one... The theme was just black and you can pick out whatever dress. So she went like full sexy backless dress and then she meets this guy at the wedding and then the guy at the wedding has his parents there and she's like, oh my God, I'm like meeting this dude. What a great time. I'm like being a different kind of Charlotte. And she does a dance with the dad and the dad gooses her. Straight ass grabber. And when she tells the son, he calls her a slut. (laughs) He calls her a slut and slut shames her for the dress that she was wearing. But anyway, Uba asks Bryn, or sorry, Jessel asks Bryn, did you look closely at the invitation? And Bryn is like, why? Is there a penis on it? But Jessel goes, no, it's just like a lot of sponsors. So they go to look back at the invitation and Bryn is like, dang, it's kind of like a Coachella sign. But hey, they're the ones with the house in the Hamptons, not me. So then Bryn asks Jessel, what has gone down since the cackling hags comment? Where are we? What's the state of the union? And Jessel tells her, look, there was some unresolved stuff with me and Aaron, but we handled it. So Bryn is like, okay, well, did you, Jessel, apologize for saying that she was a cackling hag? But Jessel goes, you know, I feel my apology at my event was an all-inclusive, like a blanket apology. And I'm just not going to talk about it again. And then she says in a confessional, you know, I put a band-aid on it and, you know, maybe things are bubbling under the surface. But at this point, I've moved on. Life's too short. <laughs> Love it. Love that for her. Love that for us. And so then Jessel's like, listen, she made an effort. Aaron made an effort. And like, thank you. But like, let me just be clear. She's had a problem with you, Bryn. She's had a problem with Cy. Jenna left her house in the Hamptons. And she's had a problem with me. So I feel like there's a common denominator, and it's Aaron. (laughs) And now this is not the first person to say that, because Cy has also said, like in episode one, Aaron and I run in similar friend circles, and she's always getting into it with somebody. So very interested in seeing how this goes on. Oh, I saw Bryce Sander. We got to get him on the podcast, but he did an interview with Uba, and she talks about how when they go on their cast trip to Anguilla... She really gets into it with Erin herself and how she refers to herself as a butter knife. And I think that might be the stand name for the Uba girls, the citizens of Ubaville, as I've been tentatively calling ourselves. But butter knives might be it because she says she's like a butter knife in her argument sense, like in the sense of how she is in a fight. Like, typically... I might cut you, but, like, it's going to be, like, a soft cut. Like, I can really only cut through soft butter. Like, it's not going to... I'm not going to give it to you too much. But, you know, put me in the right position, and I'll just, like, that, 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 stab, 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 you know? So, I love that. I love that. She said she was pissed off for nine hours straight and, like, couldn't talk her down. So, I would love to see... (laughs) 
<laughs> and then she talks about how uh, she took Aaron's glasses off because we saw that in the in the preview in the trailer, right? And she said, you know, those cheap glasses that I took off. And Bryce, I think, said, oh, well, Aaron told me that those were like Alaya, like actual designer glasses. And she goes, yeah, you can get those at Canal Street. It's probably smell- spelled wrong, too. <laughs> so I love her. And I'm a butter knife. But moving on, our next scene, we see Jenna. And we hear, like, what she's doing with her career now. She says she's doing interior design work that's actually gotten her more kadoos and compliments than her fashion stuff ever did. And then she's on a call with none other than Emily Hampshire, a.k.a. Stevie, from Schitt's Creek, who she says they met a couple years back getting set up on a date, but they didn't really click like that, but they're really good friends. So Emily hired her to design this new place she bought. And also Emily is a huge supporter of Jenna's lash line. And like, they're just really have like a super cute rapport, but it really, I've been screaming this for years now. The gag, like we talk about, I talk about like heterosexual relationships all the time. And all the drama that happens. I'm going to have to talk about Kim and Croy breaking up again on Monday. You know, that whole thing. But what we never get into, the the secret tea, the golden tea that is going down in Hollywood is with the, the Celesbian world and their dating scene. Because it's small, but mighty. And let me tell you something. If you go look at, like, who was dating who over the past several years, St. Vincent, the singer, is like the Pete Davidson of of dating chicks like she is out here one after the other after the other so there's a lot of crossover there's a lot of like uh overlapping if you will it's messy but like nobody talks about it god bless anyway Aaron after this <laughs> Aaron and Abe go out to dinner for their 10 year anniversary it's a place um uptown and it really clicked to me I've been trying to figure out who does Abe look like and it clicked Justin Kirk from Weeds, Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son, One Headlight. So I will be calling Abe One Headlight <laughs> from now on. Because <laughs> that's all I can say. I'm like, damn, he looks just like Jacob Dylan. So Aaron and One Headlight start talking about how, like, when they first met, he was living downtown. And she was actually living uptown because she is now talking about how I don't even dare go above Canal Street. Speaking of, uh, you know, where I get my sunglasses. And for those of you not in the know, that's like extremely downtown. <laughs> that's It's basically like the downtown equivalent of like all those, you know, Dorinda and all of them being like, I dare can't leave below 59th Street. I, I It's too funky down there. <laughs> it, that's very limiting. That's a very, below, you can't, you don't want to go above Canal Street is extremely limiting geographically but anyway um and she was like you know super pissed as an uptown girl having to go downtown to date him but now the tables have really turned and then they start talking about how the vow renewal is gonna go and how their friends want to do speeches for them and how we got to put them on a two-minute limit and how they're also going to be writing their own vows and saying them because they didn't do that at their first wedding so they talk about the good old days and like her getting married when she was 25, just a baby. And Abe's like, yeah, we were kids or you were a kid. Like we barely knew each other. And Aaron says in a confessional, like I saw him at a club 
we locked eyes and we just like understood each other on a level that we can't explain, which sounds like Molly, but I'm going to let them cook because it's working. Right. But she's like, you know, we're a perfect balance for each other. He's super calm and relaxed. I'm always in overdrive and like, we're just really good friends. And so Aaron tells Abe, you know, I kind of think like friendship is our foundation. Like that's the key. And I think even if we weren't married, we'd still be really good friends. And Abe's like, mm-hmm, um, mm, I don't think I could be friends with you and, like, not want to fuck you, but, mm-hmm, I hear you. <laughs> and at this moment, I couldn't help but wonder, is Abe hot? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. And while I was thinking about that, Abe sends his drink back and the waitress is like, oh, your new drink, do you want like a big rock or do you want a lot of rocks? And he's like, oh, I want the big rock. And Aaron, just like in a perfect time, she's like, you know, I want a big rock too, you know? And he goes, oh, do you? And then he goes over to his pants and pulls out a big ring box from his pocket with a diamond so big, she goes, get that away from me. Is that real? Are you kidding? <laughs> and then in a confessional, Aaron's like, I'm actually kind of pissed because I'm like, where did he get the money for this? Like, this is pricey. But Abe gets his own little confessional and says, hey, she deserves it. And then I was like, Abe is hot. <laughs> that that did it for me. <laughs> like, hot enough that I'm going to let go of the fact that he's wearing like a relaxed fit, almost bordering, flirting with acid wash jean to a steakhouse at a 10 year anniversary dinner. Like that hot that out um our next scene is with jessel so i guess we got to talk about these house rumors with her so dumois our reporter in the field (laughs) reporter to claim that jessel didn't reside in new york and the reason why she like thought that tribeca was an up-and-coming neighborhood is because she just moved to new york uh right before filming 
and that her uh, apartment was like rented. Now, saying your apartment is rented in New York doesn't mean a damn thing. It's not like, like, like this is not like the rents are too fucking high. Most of the rents, like, if you're renting in New York, almost certainly you're paying more than most people are on their mortgage elsewhere in America. So to say you're renting is not like an insult per se. Um, But Jessel responded to this and she was like, oh, you know, like, yeah, my, my kids are rented. My husband's rented. I found him on Craigslist, like LOL. Right. But then the son comes up with some papers and they're like, no, it seems like you did just move into that apartment in September of 2022. Filming began in October. So it's giving. So what they found was that Jessel and Pavit had bought a house in Dallas. They purchased that for $1.4 million in May of 2022. And that they also had an apartment elsewhere in the Dallas area. It was like a four-bedroom, six-bedroom house and another apartment. Um, Pavit, according to his LinkedIn, is the president of a company called Phone Daddy, which is a wholesale company that does, like, you know, new and used tech at discounted prices. They sell them. The headquarters are, they're based in Dallas. But it also they also found that back in 2021, um, they had purchased a house no, sorry, they sold a house in November of 2021 um, in L.A. for $3.2 million. So it sounds like they've been bopping around. And maybe they met in New York, at some point moved to L.A., Pavic gets this job in Dallas, they move there. But then they're like, oh, you know, maybe he doesn't really have to be based there. We got this opportunity to live in New York for the show, and so we're going to take it. To me, this is, like, a really non-factor. Like, I don't know. Like, if this is true, and it seems like it is, I don't know why Jessel would not just tell the truth about that. Like, who cares, right? Because wasn't it Lizzie Lizzie Savetsky, the other housewife who left very early on in the game, who also lived in Dallas and moved to New York for the show and had been, like, in previous years when Dallas was still active, had like tested for that or had auditioned or there was at least heavy interest in her joining Dallas. So, you know, this happens quite a bit. Like we knew Tinsley lived in Palm Beach. She wasn't living in that hotel apartment (laughs) full time. Like we know that. We know like most of the people from Family Karma weren't living in Miami. Like it happens. It's not like to me, it doesn't, like, mess up the integrity of the show. Like, because, frankly, Jessel's, like, the drama MVP. So, tell the truth, girl. So, back to Jessel on the show. She has Pavit come to talk to her about the preschool applications for the twins. Which she's like, you know, the process is psychotic. And we, well, I, have narrowed the schools down to two. So, she tells Pavit they need to prep for the interview process for one of the schools and shows him this international school and she's like look it's got campuses in Sao Paulo Hong Kong New York and Poppet I love Poppet Poppet's like cool I only care about the campus in New York because that's where we live and she goes no I get that but like they teach in Mandarin and Spanish and you're like immersed in the language and like imagine our kids could speak Mandarin and Poppet goes 
Um, yeah, but at the same time, they can barely speak English right now. <laughs> so then she's like, well, listen, option number two is this high profile Montessori school that like the tech entrepreneurs and the upper echelon send their kids to and like, we just need to see if it's feasible. So she moves her laptop over and she goes, you know, what can we do about this? And he goes, $62,000 for what? For them to color? So she's like, no, it's like material snacks. You know, they get an iPad and a, and a MacBook. And he goes, oh, great. We're, so we're going to be spending $62,000 on an iPad and a Mac. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so Jessel's like, listen, it is what it is. It's something we need to invest in now. And like, imagine Tom Cruise sent his kids there. Like, where you're at actually matters. So Jessel says in a confessional that Pavid's trying to lowball everything. Like, all his Google searches are cheapest, best, whatever. But you can't get the best for cheap. And I, I digress on that. I, I take umbrage. Because my Google searches are giving that too. <laughs> best, cheap, brunch. I, I'm all on it. I'm all on it. So then Pavit is looking on the application and he notices like, oh, you have to list like the organizations or the, uh, you know, committees that you're, uh, that you belong to out in the real world. And Jessel's like, oh, I mean, what do we say? Like, should we add your like fried chicken committee that you're on? And he goes, it's the Street Food Association of New York City. Okay. <laughs> and then they notice that uh, the, like the school wants a statement from the parents about the children and their character. and her. So Jessel keep, starts typing, oh, you know, Rio is thoughtful, intelligent, uh, socially inept. Is that a word? Is inept negative or positive? And so they have to Google that. They're like, oh, no, it means like a person who doesn't know how to connect or socialize. <laughs> and Papa goes, look, you're ruining, you're ruining it before he even starts. <laughs> I like them. I was worried about them as a couple, but this like banter is good. Is it? But it, it could be tenuous, you know. It could be like, oh, we're just like completely going into the friend zone. I don't know. But like, there's there's good stuff there. I was thinking this was a completely lost cause, and it. I'm I'm getting a little bit hopeful. I'm I'm getting a little bit hopeful, but we still haven't gotten to him wanting to go to Vietnam, so we'll see. Speaking of relationships I like, we head over to Brooklyn to Sai's house where their son is marking up their white carpet with black marker. Sai's losing her mind, but David's to the rescue and she says, I am kind of jealous that I didn't have a father like David because he's like above and beyond with the children. So she's, they're talking over wine and she's telling David that, you know, Jessel and Aaron got into it prior to Jessel's fashion event and she's like, I wondering why like I heard that Jessel was crying and I'm just trying to figure out why she would cry over being called pampered but David our voice of reason is like listen on top of having twins she's starting to work again if somebody was to call me out and I've been juggling all this stuff at the same time I might be pissed off too like thinking about how overwhelming her past year has been and then he goes you know I actually find it kind of weird that the ladies come to you about feelings like you have many a strong suit but a counselor is not one of them so Sai says in a confessional I really like kind of tend to not be so empathetic towards people because of my upbringing and like 
always not wanting to be a victim. And David really helps me see things from a different light. But also, sometimes I wish that he would just shut up and agree with me. <laughs> and then she tells him about Aaron's event. And he's like, do I have to dress up? Can I just wear a tracksuit and a tie? And I feel like that answers my question as to whether or not David retired himself or sided. It's giving that David had money. That's a man. I, I know what I'm looking at. You see a man who, like, of his age, he he's kind of like um like Leah's husband. Like, I, I know there's money behind there. I, I see it. So I don't need the answer. I got it. I got it. So now it's time for the vow renewal event. And Jenna's going through her looks with her goddaughter, starting with, like, this, um like, sexy Ruth Bader Ginsburg, hot hot Washington kind of look and then this like clear button down so you can see just straight areola but then she settles on this like really cute white top it's like a crop top fitted black pants and I just love the little like dinosaur dance that she did like I think we all all have a dance when we find that outfit that we feel like fun and flirty and sexy in and it's the least sexy moves that you could possibly do but you feel good you feel really good. Just a little shimmy and a shake. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Unfortunately, Uba FaceTimes Aaron to say, I have bad news. I got ready. I got my dress. I got the diamonds. I even ate a meal because I was worried you weren't going to feed me. But then I just took a test <laughs> and I found out I have COVID, so I can't come. Have so much fun, darling. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Aaron's like, why are you so worried about me feeding you? And I'm like, babe, you're like 0 for 2 at this point. That's why. And you're about to be 0 for 3. With your pigs in a blanket. So the event is in this, like, huge old bank vault downtown. Aaron's dad is there. He brings a woman. And Aaron's like, well, great. At least she's of age. Like, this is very common that he shows up with another woman. Not surprising. Brynn shows up in a white dress with a white fur coat and black glasses because she says that her eyes are bloodshot. But of course, Aaron does not like this. She's like, it's nine o'clock. Take him off. <laughs> Aaron begs her, please do not hit on my dad or my brother. Please, please. Did that work? Mm. Yeah, this is a lesson. You got to be very specific in the things that you wish for. Because she didn't hit on them. She hit on your husband. She took your words and was like, great. I'll, I'll focus on Abe. But then we see uh, Jessel and Pavit 
start talking to Aaron's dad. And they're like, oh, you know, just making small talk. You guys got kids? She's like, yeah, we have twins. And he's like, great, you should continue. And Papa's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're two and done. But Jessel says in a confessional, <laughs> it took me three years to get pregnant. I have seven embryos in the freezer. My girl's in there. We're not, we're not two and done. <laughs> so Aaron's dress was, um, it was a choice. Like, it was very, like, sexy, medieval times, like, armor style. Her dad keeps telling her in Hebrew, I can see your boobs. I don't like that. I don't allow this. And she's like, every time you see her in the background of a scene, somebody's helping her adjust the breasts and the titty area. Just like, don't let a nip out, girl. Be careful. You would think that she would notice that Jenna comes up to her and starts like grazing her ass to try to get her attention. Just a little, you know, just a little, just a little, little, hello, girl. We had to watch the scene of Jenna trying to get Aaron's attention by grabbing her ass for what felt like a good 40 seconds. Everybody around her is noticing it. Aaron's having a full-on conversation with other people. Like, you would not even think that Jenna was even touching her, much less on her almost bare ass. Nothing. The only thing between Jenna's hand and her bare ass is metal. This is, like, very thin metal. See-through metal. Even her dad notices and is like, damn, does my daughter not notice that she's getting goosed right now? So finally Aaron's like, who's grabbing my ass? And she's like, girl, this took a long time. (laughs) Aaron and Jessel have like another mea culpa with their husbands there, but their conversation is just very like clunky. Like, I think Aaron is a little bit, I think things have shifted to where now Aaron is a little bit intimidated by Jessel. I... I don't know, but I feel, I feel like Jessel has the upper hand in this dynamic. I will say that. But she's like, you know, I just want to start fresh with you, Jessel. Like, I want to have a good time. Jenna has a conversation with Abe where she's like, walk me through why we're doing this event again. You guys didn't do your vows? He's like, yeah, that's really mostly the reason why we're doing this. She's like, but how is that possible? That's like most of... A wedding. It's like kind of the whole point. And Abe was like, oh, I mean, we were just like too young. We didn't know each other. To which Jenna goes, okay, so you couldn't say vows to each other, but you could commit to each other for the rest of your lives. And he's like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so Bryn tells Jessel, you know, and I think the vibe of the party's like Bank of America holiday party meets like charity gala meets a bar mitzvah. And Britt says in a confessional, I just, I just think I'm like a little bored. So how do I like to entertain myself? Bitching. And then someone drops a glass somewhere in the party and she goes, don't worry. Don't worry. It's sponsored. It's fine. <laughs> we get a cameo appearance from Meredith and Brooks Marks, noted New York residents slash cast members of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This is what we say. This is why it doesn't matter. Like, does it really matter that New York, that Meredith spends most of her time in New York and just, like, pops in to film? No. It's not taken away from anything. Who cares? <laughs> Bryn's boredom, back to that, leads her to Abe, to asking him, um, hey, I'm single, but would you be willing to do a swap with me? Which would basically leave Aaron high and dry and alone, but I digress. And then Abe's like, uh, I actually don't think we do the swapping until, like, 
20 years. So she's like, I can wait 10 years. It's no problem. And then she goes, listen, whatever you do, just like, don't get up there and say, I, Abe, take you, Bryn. And then she goes, actually, I'm really going for Aaron's dad because I want to be Aaron's stepmom. And I'm not going to let her call me Bryn. She's going to have to call me mom. Okay. <laughs> Abe walks away. He's clearly like, I got to go. <laughs> And she, even Brynn noticed, recognizes, she's like, I think I need to, like, lock my shit up a little bit. Like, I'm ripping on this party. I'm hitting on the husband. Like, calm down. So over elsewhere at the party, Jenna's, like, checking out this guy that's, like, really fucking cute. Like, is he single? Who was that? She's like, who is that? And so Sai is like, would you ever sleep with a man again? And Jenna's like, yeah, I mean, if it's the right one. And then she tells Sai and Jessel that she's recently single as of a couple weeks. And they're like, oh, you know, like, really having this, like, friend moment where Sai's inviting her to her home. Like, come over, hang out with me and the kids. And she says in a confessional, you know, I wish Jenna would show me more. But, like, I'm happy she told me this. And now I feel like she can lean on me. (laughs) And then Jessel's like, would you... Jenna, like to have a threesome with me and my husband. And Jenna's like, mm, I kind of feel like if you haven't had sex in a year and a half, I should not be your entry in back into things. <laughs> so then we get the speeches underway. And they are going, going, going. And Runa's like, we get it. They're amazing. They're in love. They're hot. They're rich. Like, wrap it up. We get to speaker number five. I don't even think we saw, like, a parent. These were all just, like, friends being like, I met Abe, like, a million years ago, and he and Aaron are so great with each other, and we just love going to dinners with you guys, and you guys are so fun. (laughs) I was like, my God. No thank you. Once we get to speaker number five, so I was like, girl, nobody's around the corner, like... I wonder when it closes. Like, do you think I can get in there really quick? What do you think the kitchen closes? And then out of nowhere, now mind you, this is like a large space. There's tables. There's people standing. It's a lot of people, like hundreds of people. So as these speeches are going on and on, this isn't like, look around everybody on mute. Look around just me and my crew, big energy. This is like, People are mixing and mingling and talking and all of that, right? Like, it's not just them. But I could see how maybe they might be causing the most attention because there are cameras in front of them. But they're not talking seemingly any louder than the rumblings that I'm hearing in this event. So Aaron's sister, Kelly, is like, you guys are being kind of rude, you know? Like, we're at her engagement, which we're not. We're at her your sister's 10-year anniversary slash vow renewal. But okay. She goes, we're at an engagement and you guys are chit-chatting. And so Bryn, with her glasses, is like, okay, are you like going to go around and tell everybody else that they're being loud? Because like everybody's chit-chatting. And Kelly goes, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> Fold it immediately. Like, what was the point of even coming over here, Kelly? <laughs> what was the point? So size of the confessional... I think the people that Kelly maybe should be telling it to zip it is, like, those people behind the microphone, right? Because we're over it. And then, hilariously, Aaron's mom's, like, not reading the temperature of what's going on. Clearly, she's seeing this happening and thinking Kelly's, like, 
having a little conversation. So Dorothy, Miss Dorothy goes over there and is introducing herself to the cast. And Bryn's like, oh, sorry, Shh, we just got in trouble. We just got told to be quiet. And so Kelly's like ushering her mom away. She's like, yeah, well, they have to be quiet. And Dorothy's like, uh, okay. Like she seems very confused. <laughs> I loved it. I would be so embarrassed if I were Kelly. Because like, that was embarrassing, girl. But I'm, you tried it. You tried it. Anyway, finally we get to Abe and Aaron's vows. Aaron's reading straight from her cell phone. Saying basically the same thing she said at the dinner. Like, oh, you know, if we weren't married... I think we would still be friends with each other, blah, blah, blah. And Jessel's like, my foot keeps falling asleep. My eye is drooping. I'm just really hoping they're done. <laughs> Brent's asking for an Adderall, asking, oh, is Abe single now? Is that what you're saying? Because you guys don't, if you guys weren't married, is, is he single now? And then we get to Abe's vows. Honey, honey. He decided to go the Chris Bassett route and take lyrics from songs Chris Bassett was using a plethora of R&B songs from the 80s and 90s Abe decided to just go from the vault of Grateful Dead which he says in a confessional is just like a great source of um, inspiration for a vow entirely appropriate okay sure um, and then he says you know I and I Aaron I will continue to keep you satisfied emotionally definitely physically love you and finally, we start dancing. The microphones are down. Sai's looking around for food anywhere she can. She's like, Aaron told me we had food. All they have is pigs in a blanket that are being passed around. But I'm a pescatarian. So she fucks off to Nobu and is like, eh, you know. Well, actually, before she does, a lady's hair catches on fire. And Sai's like, that's my sign. I'm out. <laughs> Bye, guys. Nobody's going to notice that I'm gone anyway. Of course... That's the very first thing that Aaron notices because she goes to take a picture at the photo booth with a bunch of the other housewives and is like, did Cy leave? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So as she's taking a picture, you can see that she's like pissed behind that face. And she says in a confessional, I'm pissed. <laughs> the least Cy could have done was at least say goodbye because she was upset at my house that Jenna didn't do that at my place. So, you know, but aside from that, I had a really great time and I'm loving I feel like tit for tat is like two, there are two different tits for tats that are, ha tits and tats that are happening on Housewives. There's like an old school tit for tat, which I think we're getting more of now with this new franchise where it's like the minutia. She didn't do this at my party. She held me accountable for this. So I'm going to hold her accountable for this, even though I don't really care, but I'm just going to do it because uh, for the principle of it. Whereas now I feel like we're specifically setting up events to go tit for tat with one another. Like something happens and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to meet her at lunch and then there's going to be an event and like, I'm going to have to take her aside. And it's like every, I didn't, I don't like that. I'm loving this, like, you know, to quote Andy, a return to form, having a great time. Anyway, y'all, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. We'll be back next week with a guest, I believe, you know, we're a new lover. And, uh, yeah, happy mugshot. We're in a post-mugshot world now.
So congratulations to us all. Sorry, Aaron. This is probably a rough day for you. Anyway, love you guys so much.